Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us once again for Texas Ag Today. You know one of the best things about August? Congress is on the August recess, so if they're not in Washington, that's less they can do to mess your life and mine up. But yes, Congress is on the August recess right now, and this is a good time to catch up with your congressman to let them know what is important to you, especially if you're in farming and ranching here in Texas. We'll have more on that coming up. We'll also take a look at the cotton crop. You know, this is going to be a really good cotton crop. All the rain that we've had is helping things, but it is behind schedule. We'll check on that story coming up as well. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Transpecus. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. It looks like we're seeing a drop in the number of cattle in Texas High Plains feed yards. And that could be a positive development. I'm James Hunt, and we'll explain that on Texas Ag Today. Mixed yield results from the cotton harvest in the Rio Grande Valley. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan in Marshall. We're traveling uh, this week, as we did last week, in a little bit different area. We're a little north of uh, Interstate 30 with our report from East Texas, and the crops are varied in maturity right now. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Congress has adjourned for the August recess, and that means all members of Congress are back here in Texas for the month. Texas Congressman Mike Cloud is the only member of the Texas delegation on one of the agriculture committees, and he says this is a great time for farmers and ranchers to reach out to him and make their concerns known. You know, I would encourage people to reach out to our office. Um, We have a robust schedule planned uh, throughout the district. We got a lot of ground to cover, and so we'll be visiting a a lot of ag interest uh, all over, you know, to make sure that we continue to get a comprehensive kind of year to the ground understanding of, of really what's going on. Cloud says he believes that solutions to problems that farmers and ranchers are facing come from the grassroots, not from think tanks and intellectuals in Washington. The Texas Beef Council has released its long-range plan. Jessica Domel explains. The Texas Beef Council has developed and released the details of a plan to guide the council through the next five years. The council's long-range plan was developed using the National Beef Industry Long-Range Plan as a foundation. It details four areas of focus that will help the Texas Beef Council promote beef, find new consumer opportunities worldwide, and encourage support from producers. The first key area of focus is to grow consumer trust in beef by ensuring beef inclusion in dietary guidelines, reinforcing its sustainability, telling beef's positive story, and strengthening beef's reputation as a safe and wholesome product. 
The second area of focus is to promote and capitalize on the multiple advantages of beef, including its role in a healthy and sustainable diet. A third goal of the plan is to drive beef exports by collaborating with partners to invest in programs that promote U.S. beef's unique attributes. And the final area of focus is to grow stakeholder trust in checkoff programs. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The Texas cotton crop is looking good this year, but it is running behind schedule. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says the crop is running behind on setting bowls. National number on August 15th, three quarters of the crop, 75 percent. That is behind the five-year average of 82 percent, also behind last year's 79 percent. A lot of the delays have been due to the cool, cloudy, wet weather in Texas and a few southeastern states. For example, in Texas, the number one cotton production state, just 68% setting bowls. Five-year average is 79%. The condition of the Texas cotton crop is much better than we saw at this time last year. Right now, 19% of the crop is rated excellent, 45% rated good, 31% fair, and only 5% of the cotton crop rated poor to very poor. We're seeing a drop in the number of cattle in Texas feed yards, and James Hunt tells us that could be a positive development. USDA will release its monthly cattle on feed report this Friday, and ahead of that, Texas Cattle Feeders Association has put out its own numbers for the three-state TCFA membership territory. Brady Miller of TCFA says the organization estimates there are slightly more than 3 million cattle on feed across the Texas-Oklahoma-New Mexico region. And Miller says... That headcount's actually below the five-year average. It's running about 99%. I think I've been telling you for the last handful of months that we've been above the five-year average. We finally dropped below that in our TCFA estimate. And the numbers Miller shared are in keeping with what we've heard about a lot in the news the past few days, a very optimistic outlook for cattle prices going forward due to shrinking cattle inventories and historically high consumer purchases of U.S. beef, both domestically and abroad. But there is one unhappy note to mention. Miller says there are still hitches when it comes to moving cattle through the meat plants. One of our biggest issues that we're having today, it's not demand. Demand's really good. It's not the amount of product that we're feeding because our yards have been full. This front-end supply has been fairly large. The problem is getting these plants to operate at full capacity. And can I sit here and say that we're seeing that go down today? And do we predict that will happen in the future? Who knows? But what I can tell you is that these plants haven't gotten back up to running at full capacity since the start of COVID. But while that difficult situation is a real concern, Miller reminds us that things appear to be headed in a good direction overall. As long as we keep our consumers purchasing and exports moving, we feel like the future is bright. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas cotton harvest is underway in the Rio Grande Valley. Tom Nicoletti has this report. We go to the southernmost region of Texas, and Bryce Wilde is my guest. He is a cotton farmer in Willacy County. Bryce, you and other farmers are in the midst of your cotton harvest. How far along are you in the process? So we're about 25% to a third completed already. And what does the harvest look like as far as quality and quantity? We were disappointed in our irrigated yields. They're down about, oh, maybe 25% just due to all the rains that we had early on May and June. Moving to our dry land, we're above average, so we're pretty tickled with what's coming off. 
it's a little too early to see quality coming back from the gin grades yet. They're just now getting started in the first four or five days of ginning, but uh, we're, we're hopeful to see some good quality coming out of here. Yes, you folks have had some uh, very wet fields recently, finally dried out to really get out there and get cotton out of the ground. That's right. We had tremendous amount of rain. We got about 10 inches of rain, really flooded the valley. We're seeing great yields out of the cotton, but we had even greater potential. But uh, with the water, it kind of knocked things back a little bit. But all that moisture really has pushed us back here now into August. And so with the threat of hurricanes looming out there, we're just really concerned. We're worried. We're, we're running long hours, trying as best we can to hurry up and get this crop out. The August time frame for us down here in the Rio Grande Valley is always a worrisome time to, get, uh, to have crops still out in the field. Now, how long do you foresee the cotton harvest lasting? I would say here in Williston County, I think the bulk, 75 to 85%, should be out in the next week and a half to two weeks. But you're still going to have lingering fields to be irrigated. So I would say hopefully everything's out by September 1, September 15th at the latest, I would hope. That is Rio Grande Valley cotton farmer Bryce Wilde. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Grain sorghum is looking good in northeast Texas right now, but that's not the case for corn and cotton. James Duncan has been on the road in that part of the state. From northeast Texas this week, we've taken a road trip and looking a little bit north of Interstate 30 out of uh, from Mount Pleasant to Texarkana runs across there. We went into the Suffer and Red River Bottoms to take a look at the crops. And they are in various stages of maturity, and uh, things look real good as far as Milo is concerned. That Milo looks really, really good. The cotton, what little bit there is, is very poor at this present time. Hopefully it'll get out where they can get a crop because we know there's other areas that are having really good cotton crops. But in northeast Texas there, it's not so. Corn, well, some of it's already been harvested and they put it into haylage for the most part. Uh, Crops just did not make good this year. Hay, the hay is looking really good. We've had moisture, fertilization, and top quality sunshine. And that makes for good hay baling. So it's all good. The army worms are still a problem. We've got to continually be on the outlook for them. In other agriculture activities here in the Marshall, Texas area, the Josie Ranch, world-famous barrel racer Martha Josie's home and the place where she holds her reunion roundup every year. Over 450 horses were entered this past weekend. This weekend, we are involved in the oldest junior world barrel racing championship anywhere is held right here at the Josie Ranch. Over 450 entries in this event. Also, all the participants are 20 years and younger. This is a great event in our area. People love the good horse flesh that you can see here. If you're out and about and listening close enough, come see them. It'll be a time for you to spend right here in East Texas at this event, World Junior Barrel Racing Championship. You all come see us. We'll be glad to have you. This is James Duncan reporting from East Texas for Texas Ag Today. Before you head out for a hunt or for a day of fishing, there's one important thing you'll need. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And cataracts are common in humans, but they're also common in dogs. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. 
there's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Cataracts are very common in us humans, but they're also very common in dogs. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd says there are some things we can do to prevent cataracts in our dogs. Dr. Lindsay Wagner from Gulf Coast Animal Eye Clinic discussed some new options for cataracts in dogs in the Texas Veterinarian publication. Many cataracts in dogs are due to genetics, but a large number are also due to diabetes, and it is now recommended to start these patients on a topical non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medication at least once daily. Even if the cataract is small and immature, the use of anti-inflammatories is recommended to prevent inflammation called drug-induced uveitis, which can lead to pain and further eye damage. This is another reason that an annual physical exam is so important for your pet, as your veterinarian will examine the eyes for cataracts. In the past, with immature and even mature cataracts, there were really no medications available to treat or prevent them, and surgery for mature cataracts was really the only option. So if your vet has diagnosed your dog with cataracts in the past, it might be a good idea to ask them if your dog should be on a topical anti-inflammatory. There is another new drug undergoing clinical trials called Kinostat. Kinostat is a topical formulation proposed to prevent cataracts in diabetic dogs. This drug inhibits the enzyme alpha-reductase, which plays a role in the development of cataracts that occurs in 75% of the dogs with diabetes in the first year after diagnosis. A study has been shown when the drug is used topically two to three times a day after the diagnosis of diabetes, the cataract can be prevented. In a long-term study, Kinostat allowed dogs with diabetes to maintain their vision for at least eight years, and the drug also decreases the occurrence of dry eye in diabetic dogs. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Before you head out for a day of hunting or fishing this fall, there's one important thing that you don't want to forget. Jessica Domel tells what that is in today's Wildlife Report. As you're getting ready for dove hunting in just a few weeks, or even a nice day of fishing, be sure to grab a New Year hunting or fishing license from a retailer authorized by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. New Year licenses are on sale now, and your current license expires at the end of August unless you have a year-to-date license. Funds gathered from the sale of hunting and fishing licenses directly fund a multitude of conservation efforts and recreational opportunities, including fish stocking, wildlife management, habitat restoration, public hunting leases, river fishing access, and the Texas Game Wardens. You can buy hunting and fishing licenses now on the TPWD website, by phone, or in person at more than 1,800 retailers across Texas. If you plan to buy a license at the TPWD headquarters in Austin, an appointment is required. Updated hunting and fishing regulations for the upcoming season are also now out, so while you're getting a license, consider grabbing a copy of the Outdoor Annual. You can also view this year's hunting and fishing regulations on OutdoorAnnual.com or via the Outdoor Annual app. Again, that website, OutdoorAnnual.com. When buying a hunting and fishing license this year, you can also make a donation to the Hunters for the Hungry program. The program provides hunters with a way to donate legally harvested deer to participating processors. 
The processed meat is donated to Texas families in need. When you buy a license, you can also donate to the Fund for Veterans Assistance. It provides grants to veteran service organizations and nonprofit charitable institutions assisting veterans and their families. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmol. The cattle complex bounced back on Tuesday. We finished higher in both live and feeder cattle. We also had a higher close in corn and wheat. We'll update all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a nice bounce back in the cattle complex on Wednesday. Higher prices for both live and feeder cattle futures. August live cattle up 72 cents, 124.02. The October up 92, 129.05. December live cattle up 75 cents, 134.57. Even bigger gains in the feeder cattle market. August feeders up 227 at 158.85. September feeder cattle up 242, 163.35. October up $1.55, closing at $165.82. Cash-fed cattle trade still fairly quiet. We do see some asking prices from the feedlots in the 123 to 124 range. We saw some actual sales in the online fed cattle exchange Wednesday. They sold 1,292 head of Texas cattle. They brought 121 to 122. They sold a few Kansas cattle. They sold as high as 123. Boxed beef continues to climb higher. Choice up 224 on Wednesday at 340.30. Select up 73 cents, 307.50. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Texas neighbors, it's time for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. We're on the line with Doug Bass, Cattleman to Brenham. Sell them every Friday. Doug, how'd they go last week? Had a good sale, Miss Larry. We ended up with 1,091 head of cattle. Market looked steady, like they might have took a few dollars off the cows. Good deal. We'll talk to us. Walk the Pins. Yes, sir. On your weigh-in cows, your thinner, lower-yielding cows bring 27 to 55. Better high-yielding cows bring 58 to 76. Lower yield and thinner bulls bring 65 to 72. Better high yielding bulls bring 86 to 98. We had a few little pairs. Uh, your medium top pairs bring 700 to 1100. Better pairs bring 1250 to 1450. Bred cows, same way the medium top breads bring 6 to 800. Your better breads bring 900 to 1200. Calf mark, your little roping kids, one to two weight steers bring 135 to $2. Heifers bring 150 to 188. Two to three weight steers bring 110 to 218. Heifers bring 145 to 150. Three to four weight steers bring 155 to 220. Two heifers bring 146 to two dollars. Four to five weight steers bring 148 to 210. Heifers bring 138 to 188. Five to six weight steers bring 144 to 167. Heifers bring 130 to 170. Six to seven weight steers bring 130 to 154. 
Heifers bring 120 to 160. Seven, eight weight steers bring 118 to 150. Heifers bring 108 to 139. Yeah, 800 to 1,000 pound steers and bull yearlings bring 105 to 126. And the hefferettes bring 90 to 121. What do we know for this Friday sale? Got some yearlings lined up. Pretty good sets of kids coming again, Mr. Larry. Don't know much about anything on the cow side of stuff. It looks like we ought to have a pretty good run again, I believe. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for this Friday sale at Cattleman's Brenham. Y'all can call me on my cell, which is 979-877-4454. Our call set office, which is 979-836-3621. We appreciate it, and we'll talk with you later in the week, Doug. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Larry. We'll see y'all Friday. Thank you, Doug. Looking forward to it. Doug Bass, Cattleman's Brenham. Walking the Pins is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close sharply higher. October hogs up a dollar twenty, eighty-nine ten. The December up a dollar five, eighty-two twelve. Class three milk was lower. August milk down eleven, sixteen oh six a hundred. While September milk was down thirteen cents, seventeen eighteen a hundred weight. The cotton market drifting a bit lower, waiting on fresh news to move the market. October cotton down 18 points, closing at 95.52. The December contract down 7 at 94.83. The corn market closed higher as traders continue to try to get a handle on the size of this year's crop. September corn up 3.5, 5.61 and 3 quarters. December corn up 1.5 at 5.65 a bushel. The wheat market bounced back after big losses on Tuesday. We ended up closing higher in both hard and soft wheat. Traders seem to keep reminding themselves that hard red winter wheat supplies are at their lowest level in seven years. So that is helping to support any losses that we have in the wheat market. We closed with September Kansas City wheat up 7, 7.23 and 3 quarters. September Chicago wheat up 2 and 3 quarters at 7.37 and a quarter. Rough rice was lower. September rice down 16 cents, 13.28 a hundredweight. November soybeans down eight and a quarter, 13.53 and a quarter. September soybean meal down 250 at 357.60 a ton. In the energy market, September natural gas down one, 382. September crude oil down a dollar 71 at 64.88 a barrel. The financial markets lower, the Dow down 325 points, 35,018, the Nasdaq down 109 at 14,546, the S&P down 41, 4,407. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then, right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.